everyone and welcome to another episode of the Connected Podcast. This is the place where we discuss people, ideas, marketing, technology and anything else that feels right. I'm Sasha Obusu, Senior Planner for the TED Department at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And our guest joining us today is Adrian Walcott. How are you, sir? Very good. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, as, as you said, it's been a, a long time we've been talking about this, so very excited that we're doing it today. Likewise. Adrian is the Managing Director of Brands with Values, where he has worked for the last six years, leading in decoding culture to unlock commercial performance and wider objectives around inclusion and sustainability for the FTSE 500. Adrian is also a co-founder of an award-winning social enterprise, BAME 2020 No Turning Back, which focuses on encouraging more people from diverse ethnic backgrounds into the marketing, media and communication sector. Prior to Brands with Values, Adrian was a multiple award-winning marketeer responsible for brand, product and social media Eurostar. He started his career at Ogilvy before moving to WPP, working in the UK and also spending two years abroad in Ghana. Um, first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, I think it's only right I kick things off by asking, how are you? How's the last year been for you? Not only on a work perspective, but also for yourself personally. Yeah, I, 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 I'm very good, actually. And um, yeah, I think the sun's out. It's a lovely day. And uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in finally getting into the zone. Um, in terms of the last year, it's, it's been really interesting for me. So I guess if I from a work perspective you know people talk about this period as you know um uh they talk about you know being a big storm and people being in different sized boats and um i just think for us we we have we, we we we've been okay we've managed to to work and help a lot of clients over the last year particularly given the stuff that we do and particularly culture becomes an issue when big change or challenge is bestowed on anybody. And I think that's that's helped us a lot. And it's also relative to where we've been prior to last year, because, you know, we've been running a startup. And with all the challenges around that and moving that forward, actually, uh, relative to those years in, in an ironic way, um, uh, the last year has been great. And Family-wise, listen, we're quite a homely family. Um, you know, the only thing I need to make sure is that, you know, I can get to the butchers or get to the fishmongers. Other than that, the family loves spending time together. And um, that's what we do. And we enjoy it. Well, that's, that's good. Do you think that, um, because one of my realisations, both over the last year, but probably writing the belonging book as well, is that, culture is something that as a leader of an organization you cannot delegate do you think that that's become more evident to people over the last 12 months yeah i think it's definitely become more more evident i think as i as i said really i think in the old days you know you talk to leaders about culture and they'll say yeah we definitely need to look at that and they would put somebody on it and the reason why it would operate in such ways is because people didn't really lean into culture that much. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd look at the other KPIs running a business around its performance and say, well, we seem to be doing OK. People tell me we've got a great culture. Mm-hmm. So it kind of um, takes a bit of a backseat. But what we've seen in the last year um, is the world has been impacted by the biggest change and challenges ever seen. So things like. COVID has had a massive impact on on the world of work, 
and also things around George Floyd mm-hmm. has had a big impact on people's personal values, what drives them, their motivations, mm-hmm. and working from home, spending more time with the family. So these kinds of things have changed, had such an impact. And I think where it leads into workplace, people have had to restructure. There's been lots of mergers and acquisitions. There are people trying to reboot, trying to get people to re-energize. And that's become a leadership top table issue. And I think it kind of plays into that quote that I feel is actually true now when Drucker would say, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. That is now widely understood and accepted by the C-suite, which is a massive shift that we never saw previously. Yeah, I've I've always said so the strategy should be to have good culture. And what experiences either in your life or your career to date have taught you the skills to navigate these last few months? Um, I would say, actually, um, I've had a number of challenges, which has sort of built up my resilience or allowed me to keep the faith when we're going through such periods. And I think to me, it actually, a lot of it started many years ago when I was actually trying to get into this industry, Mm -hmm. right? So I finished at Goldsmiths with a degree in politics and economics, and I struggled to get into the industry. Um, But sort of undeterred, uh, I literally picked up a couple of suitcases and went to West Africa, went to Ghana, never been there before, family from the Caribbean. And to cut a long story short, I met a guy who knew a guy who was the CEO for Ogilvy Africa, and he employed me straight away. And I just started working on Nestle and Unilever brands. And um, I came back to the UK after two years, probably one of the most qualified marketeers of my age because of my experience. Mm -hmm. A lot of that came from uh, what was initially uh, kind of personal car take or or. Well, you must have had to be very brave at that point I mean you're you're just sort of announcing it as you packed a bag and off you went that must that was a brave old thing to do right yeah yeah I think with me and I think that 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 braveness kind of surrounds me it's a kind of um I don't know there's a there's a naivety about me as well that allows me to take such risks because I didn't know anybody and eventually um it was tough to begin with but eventually keeping the faith I managed to um, get into the industry that I was so keen and determined to join. And I guess, you know, other examples in my career. So if I fast fast forward, I'm I'm back in the UK with a a world of experience as a young sort of 20 odd year old. I get into, I work for uh, Bates, which is now Geometry for a while. And I I get a big chance to go to Barclays. And that for me was a big culture shift for me. But I felt confident because of my skill set. I was up against people who were just newly out of university. They couldn't possibly have my experience. Mm. But the the challenge that I had there was after a while, I was kind of moving onwards and sidewards and my peers are moving onwards and upwards. And I think part of that was because I didn't really understand the ecosystem. I didn't understand how to make it work. I didn't know how to navigate it. And so people with less experience than me who did were getting further or going further. And actually, it was when I, um, so that was quite a difficult time. I mean, Mm. I described my period at Barclays as the good, not so good and the great. And the not so good was a, you know, was a a year or two, Mm. you know, where I was having difficult conversations with myself. 
And then I, um, um, by chance, got connected with the CEO for the retail bank at the time, and he mm-hmm. kind of informally mentored us, and he's now the chairman on our business. He kind of helped me, and then that allowed me to sort of drive my productivity, and I eventually get uh, hired to go and run the brand across Europe at Eurostar. So these are kind of two kind of examples that, you know, my career where I've just kept the faith and 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 seen the results. And I suppose the last one will be where we are today with Brands with Values. I Do you set, want to just explain a bit about what Brands with Values does? Um, yeah. Well? So I guess, yeah, we are, we're leaders in kind of decoding culture, right? So we help organisations drive sustainable and meaningful change with a starting point based in evidence using a scientifically based audit tool that can tell us categorically what a culture looks like today. So it's a eight minute, three question, three word wall exercise where our algorithm is able to triangulate personal values, i.e. what motivates people, what gets them out of bed in the morning. It gives a read on the culture that they see around them along with what they desire. So when we ask those three questions and we can cut it by uh, the usual um, department, seniority, and then we can overlay age, ethnicity, sexual orientation, it gives us a real forensic understanding of what an organisation's culture is doing, which means that people who are trying to lead change, albeit we have clients who are looking at mergers and acquisitions, onboarding new senior leadership, We are also helping people who are serious about driving inclusion and diversity, because for me, inclusion and diversity is just another transformation program. It just happens to be the most highly charged transformation program in the world right now. But the Mm -hmm. principles of of that lead to the stuff that we do, which is about understanding your starting point, because in any journey, yeah, you have to know your starting point to, Mm -hmm. to navigate it well and not fall for a lot of the uh, the noise around what the solutions are around that subject and many others. But putting the words on the walls doesn't hack it. It doesn't hack it. It, it doesn't hack it. And doing tactical things around training in, you know, in, in, in an IND doesn't do it. No, it's not and right. even it's senior good. leaders who, you know, went to Silicon Valley and came back around the digital period years ago, Everyone went to Silicon Valley and they came back and said, you know, everybody can wear chinos and have fruit, but it doesn't drive digital transformation, right? Because it's mind shift work is the critical point in all of this. So sorry. So that's your business. And you were explaining how getting to where you are now has been has been a resilience journey. Yes, it has been a journey of resilience and keeping the faith. And I would say the last one to that was the basically leaving corporate. Mm-hmm. So when I uh, decided to to go with this business, Brands of Values, and set up No Turning Back, mm. um, for myriad reasons, which we can talk about, but you're in a period of free-falling because you've got an innovation that you think the market needs because you, you feel like there was an opportunity to disrupt the way people try to learn about their culture's doing, but yet you know, when you're free falling and you're trying to get this off the ground and you're trying to raise money and you're trying to win business, you know, at some point, you know, I was wondering how hard I was going to hit the floor. And it's just by sort of keeping the faith um, 
that you know we we were able to or in my case you know my parachute opened right and um that has seen us transform from a fledgling business to a to a I say fledgling to, to established business over the last few years but the, the key thing in all of those things that I've learned is about um keeping the faith uh and uh, and being brave and and and, and try and um uh uh manage yourself as well as you can take care of yourself in that in those uh periods of turmoil you mentioned something about um the, the culture shift when you came back from africa what sort of differences did you find um working in the same industry but working in africa and then coming back to the uk yeah that's a great question right so uh, i'll qualify what i mean when i talk about culture shift but i can tell mm-hmm. you the difference of between my experience living in Ghana and working in the industry and working in the UK. And I wonder if it is industry related, but I was living in the majority when I was living in Ghana. This is the very first time in my entire life. I'm from South London. You know, I went to a local comp. I did okay. I got to a Russell group, you know, but, you know, I'm in the UK, you know, um, and there are times in the UK, you know, that, I, I I can feel like a minority, right? It's not, it wouldn't be unfamiliar for me to be on a tube and someone moves away from me, or don't be for different reasons in this day and age. But but from that, juxtaposing that living in Ghana, where I'm seeing people, successful people that look like me, people that I can aspire to, and, and feeling like I'm generally on the inside looking out as a, a really... Uh, important impact on my how I was able to deliver in the roles that I was delivering when I was out there and I think um, that's not about our industry that's probably more societal than it is about the creative mm-hmm. industry yeah so the culture shift coming back was I suppose in some ways um, being moving from the outside in to sorry from the inside out to now sometimes feeling like you're on the outside in. But the shift I was referring to, going to Barclays, was probably something to do with that, but it's more to do with I was in the creative industry mm-hmm. and going into banking, financial services. It's very it's, different. It's a very different mm-hmm. being. It's a very different ecosystem. So that in itself is a challenge yes. for anyone, regardless of their orientation. And that's the shift that I probably didn't anticipate until I actually stepped foot into the organisation. So this actually ties quite nicely into my next question. Um, I really liked what you said about having a greater sense of belonging during your time in Ghana, as opposed to working with Barclays or even at WPP in the UK. Um, What exactly does belonging mean to you, having worked in a different industry in banking to now being the managing director of Brands With Values and also your work for the BAME 2020? what exactly does it mean to you and just how important is belonging within the workplace? Um, I think belonging for me, if I start by what it means to me, and I have quite a forensic view on it, right, because of the nature of the work that uh, we do. But, but let me let me stop that. Let me start by saying if I think about what I'm doing now, um, I feel a huge sense of belonging in running the business that we run. And the reason why I feel a strong sense of belonging where in, in my place of work is because 
my personal values, the things that motivate me and get me out of bed in the morning are the things that I'm doing every day in my working life. So I have an authenticity that I that that I'm playing up into every single day. And me being authentic allows my genuine kind of or, or any evidence of my superpowers yeah to fly yeah. because I'm I'm in tune. So that's that's what belonging uh, means to me and it's just took took me over 20 years to get here, right? Yeah. So so because that's what it tangibly is in a sentence, what it means for organisations, and which is why we've invested in building this tool around it, it's when the personal values of your employees manifest in the values they see in the organisation. So if you think about the ecosystem that is work, that ecosystem exists of human beings who are communicating and behaving and the summation of the way they communicate and behave is the culture. And what drives the way people communicate and behave are their values. So if you have uh, an organization where the sum or individually, collectively, there are groups who feel that what drives them, their personal values, manifest in their workplace by the policies, programs and procedures that leaders bestow on an organization, then you have belonging and uh, um, right there Uh, and I guess the other points around that is there's a couple of watch points on it and I suppose it cannot exist if there's toxicity in the workplace so those have to be remedied and you need to be able to expose them and if it's about hierarchy bureaucracy confusion long hours demanding and all of those things Mm -hmm they will stop belonging from manifesting in an organization. And then the second watch point around belonging is around leadership saying one thing and doing another. So those are the two watch outs uh, mm-hmm. that you need to have an eye on to be able to genuinely believe it, but deliver my version of what belonging means. Super interesting. And, and obviously it then becomes just a no-brainer that if everybody has that sense of belonging they're gonna deliver for you right which is which is why belonging workplaces get get a better result super interesting um so from startup to established business we're sort of nearly well may 2021 as we record this what do you hope to have achieved by the end of the year um well, we're on a journey at the moment where we're um, sort of uh, raising funds, building a platform um, so that it can allow us to service uh, uh, more clients in different ways. So we would love to be in a place where that could be ready um, for the end of this year because it just puts us into 2022 um, with, with with more capability to, 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 to help our clients. So that's one of the uh, things that um, I would like to uh, achieve achieve this year and I think the other one is just to try and from a lockdown perspective and the world opening up I'd quite like to hang on to some of the things that you know I've 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 adapted to in this life of lockdown not losing all 
as the world opens up and I start to enjoy, you know, um, the things that we were doing prior to lockdown. So I suppose what I don't want to do this year is, you know, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater mm-hmm. with regards to the lessons and personal things that I've picked up from lockdown. I think that's super important, actually. And I think we're, we're at a critical moment now of reimagining what the workplace could look like. Um, and it shouldn't go back to what it looked like in 2019, in my view. Um, it needs to be a better hybrid, more positive solution. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's what the C-suite are now wrestling with, aren't they? Um, and I think that's why it's all about organisations embracing or leaning into all sorts of different listening tools. Because of that that change and challenge that's impacted the ecosystem, it's all about how do I return everybody to work and drive productivity and sometimes even greater productivity um, than what, you know, um, than before the lockdown. How do you do that? And, and, and happiness. Yes. Right? I mean, some people have been made very happy by this change and we don't want to lose that. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. Now moving on to the question we ask all of our guests. Um, first question would be, what is your favourite line from a poem, song or book? Um, I guess the one that I've had to sort of tap into at times is um, is the Winston Churchill one. I think it's his, his quote, but, you know, when you're going through hell, you know, uh, keep going. <laughs> um, which is you know, symptomatic of how I felt in periods over the last five years, um, trying to build this business, having, um, being out, I wouldn't say the comfort, the, the, the different operating environment, obviously, when you're, when you're working for a company. And don't forget, you know, I've, the interesting thing for me is, you know, I, I've worked in well-established companies. So mm. I've gone from... Where well, there were people to, to sort things out for you. Yeah, I... <laughs> you know, to this, you know, what is it even? So mm. a lot of the challenge around that, I would say that has been uh, has been one. And the one I always talk about when I'm out speaking to kids, because I do a lot of kind of outreach to schools, particularly with No Turning Back uh, 2020, um, you know, I always talk to people about, you know, when life throws you lemons, you know, make lemonade, uh, mm. because you just want young people to be positive about um the future and and to and to i suppose be brave think differently around some of the challenges that they're facing i'm afraid adrian we're going to make you pick because we only allow one one so lemonade or winston churchill that is true well i think i'm going to stick with the one that um spent a lot of time a lot of evolutions of it in the last five years and that's you know when you're going through hell keep going ah. now if you were a genie what five commonly available objects would i have to put in a magic circle to summon you right i'm going to summon them a bit functional and it's fine. Uh, so i've got um objects one is a phone right? okay my mac um my dog <laughs> well it's a dog it has to be a commonly available object so we're not giving you your dog but we could give you a dog and you can specify breed yes Cavapuchon. 
Okay, I gather them. Probably my favourite film, that's uh, Life is Beautiful by Roberto Bonini. And uh, Power Shower, I don't know. <laughs> okay, no, we can allow that. Excellent. <laughs> what is your single best skill? Um, I think it's about um, being able to see uh, uh, the big picture. Um, that's what I do very well. I'm very good at sort of zoning out, looking at all the issues and just wondering what it means in terms of how we move forward. And I think a lot of that, to be honest, um, I've picked up or that that talent or skill was nurtured at Barclays. When you're working in a big organisation, um, um, you, you're exposed to that stuff a lot. And I think that lent into something that sits with me naturally. And it's a skill that I've I've honed as a result. And sometimes that's the thing that gives you the edge, right? Everybody else is looking at the bits and you, if you can see the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and maybe it links to that keeping the faith piece as well. Because mm. as I said, when you're, when you're out and you're working and you're trying to deliver Sometimes you can zoom in and it can derail you, make you unhappy about your progress. But it's that ability to step back and say, well, why are we doing this? Where are we on the bigger milestones, et cetera? And keeping the faith that, you know, you you will reach them. And um, that's what I do very well. And then but I have partners uh, who uh, who are very good at uh, things that I am not. So it's amazing being in a business with sort of three directors where we all connect and uh, emotionally connect, and, but actually our skill sets couldn't be any any dip. So when you talk about diversity of thought, yeah, uh, it, it couldn't be more prevalent than our directors. And and but, but in spite of all of that, we still make it work. So we are definitely a case for proving the 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 uh, the great things you get from diversity diversity of thought, thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you practice more if you had the time and the space? Um, this is something I picked up in lockdown and um, I keep fleeting in and out of it. Um, but I spent a consistent period until I got a dog, by the way. Um, but meditation. Okay. There was something about um, during that period of lockdown. I don't know if it's because psychologically I knew I was going to be at home all day. But what I found myself doing for months, actually, was I would wake up at sort of six in the morning and I would like meditate um, for about half an hour, you know, 40 minutes a day. Um, I didn't belong to any of those groups. I just used to find stuff on YouTube and I would literally listen to it. And I just found it hugely powerful. I actually felt like I was almost like leaving my house, you know. Uh, 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 metaphorically and sort of coming back in and setting myself up for the day and the energy and the power that it was giving me I would just never have believed and and at that period I was just telling everyone and people were just thinking you know uh, you know what planet am I on these are my close friends (laughs) but you're making it sound like you've stopped have you you've stopped well when I say more time so what's happened is is so I had a whole uh rituals in the morning mm-hmm. right so there's a period of silence there's a period of uh affirmations mm-hmm. 
a period of uh, visualizations, mm-hmm. I'll do some exercise, read, and then I'll sort of journal. That that was that was literally my ritual. So it started with the meditation, which is the silence, and then I started to broaden it out. And the reason why I say it stopped or been interrupted is because now when I come down at six o'clock or six thirty, I have Brooklyn, my Kapapu, to deal with. Oh, I see. Because <laughs> so, I'm, I meditate, as, as loyal listeners will know, I, med- I meditate for at least 15 minutes every day and it's like the first thing I do. Yeah. And I now, I, ca- I couldn't, I can't sort of, it's like, for me, it's like not cleaning my teeth. It's kind of like, you know, I wouldn't yeah. get on with the day without it. Yeah. I mean, what I've tried to do, and I, to, to, to try and claw back the time, yeah. so I sometimes do the silence or the meditation in bed. It, it doesn't have to be uh, an hour. I mean, that's what I found is 15, yeah. 10, 15 minutes can make a transformational effect. Yeah. So what I've tried to do, so my day is I do it before I get out of bed. That mm. literally is what I've um, uh, tried to do. Cool. Where in the world, real or fiction, would you like to live and why? Um, I think I would like to go back to, um, to Ghana to spend time uh, back there. I mean, it had such a profound impact on me in so many ways. Um, I could see myself, um, uh, yeah, being in that part of the world, um, being in some remote place and, mm. you know, being close to the water um, and um, getting on with things. Interesting you say that because, I mean, you were there in 1998, so Ghana has changed dramatically. Um, and. I'd, I'd love for you to go back there now and still feel the same way you did back then. So I'd be interested to, to see or to hear how you'd feel if you were to go back there, if you still had the same sort of feeling. Yeah, this is it. And I, I've heard the same. And that could be the thing, isn't it? Um, mm. Having not been there for so well, lots of long time, my recollections uh, uh, may well be different. Yeah. Oh, it feels like we could dig into that for like much longer. But um We'll move on to the question you cannot prepare for. So these are cards from the School of Life. I've just picked three randomly out of the box. So um, A, B or C? C. And the question, the card reads, how could older people be valued more? I think... Older people can be valued more um, if we provide forums and opportunities for us to listen and learn from their experience. Um, it might seem simple, but I belong to, shall we say, a few networks, and these networks allow me to sit with people a lot older older than me. Yeah. Sometimes it's in dinners and formal things. Sometimes they're less formal, but I speak to, I get the privilege of speaking to people who are retired and stuff. And actually, um, and long into retirement as well at times. Mm. And actually, when you, but you learn so much around um, their experience, the their views, and they can, when you have a conversation around where you are on your journey, they mm. can offer um, so much. I mean, I've got one particular guy, actually, when I say guy, he is, and it's bizarre, but considering I went to Haberdasher's Asks School and I went in 1984 and I finished in 1990 or whatever, 
Mm-hmm. One of the guys that I speak to every three months is my old headmaster from oh. from the school uh, since 1990. Uh, I'm not saying we spoke all that time, but we, we re-established a relationship. Mm-hmm. And he always asks me this one question, and it's always very early on. He's always asking me about my family. And he just tells me over and over again that family is the most important thing there is in life mm-hmm. and how important it is to nurture it and to manage the time that you see them with all the other things that we're doing in life. Because anytime you are doing something else, you are not with them. And he tells me in the context of taking on advisory roles and all mm-hmm. these things and volunteering just to be very careful about what it means for family so insights like that that come through in that strong uh way because they've done it they've experienced it are the things that you get from 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 um older people they're not guessing they've lived it so they talk to you in a way that's much more pointed and real and meaningful and that's what i see and experience i don't know whether it's a beautiful coincidence or um, we just happen to go through the same things, but uh, um, I recently, well, I'm a fellow South Londoner like yourself, and um, I recently found out that my head teacher, uh, who was head teacher of Forest Hill Boys, he recently passed, and uh, we had a, a great relationship. He was someone that not only uh, looked out for myself, but looked out for my brother as well, who also went to the same school. And one of the, one of the same, same very things he would always ask is, how's family? Make sure you're there for family. Family's all that matters. Family's important. And it's something that I've taken from secondary school up until now. And that's the one thing I'll always remember from him. So, um, I mean, rest in peace, Peter Walsh. But um, no, I completely agree with you that, that I mean, that those sort of experiences you do learn from um, older people stick with you for a lifetime. So that's why I mentioned that. And... Um, and yeah, with that, <laughs> I'll, I'll conclude the podcast. And I just wanted to say uh, it's been amazing to talk to you today, Adrian. Uh, you've given us loads of insights and knowledge that we can all uh, learn from and take away. And I hope to hear from your Ghana trips <laughs> very soon. And I will hopefully have you back on the podcast soon as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.